This episode of the Hogan Johns Podcast is presented by the incredible Helix Sleep. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection. They have mattresses designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. My kids have them. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in just under two minutes. Then your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. You should see it come out of the box. It's pretty cool. Helix knows there's no better way to test out your new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they have a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Everybody is unique. Helix knows that. Everybody sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from. They have models with memory foam layers to provide pressure relief if you sleep on your side, and others that cradle your body for support in stomach and back sleeping positions. They also have enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz and I was matched with a Midnight Lux mattress because I wanted something that felt just right because I tossed and turned all night long. Helix helped stop that. Don't want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Adam and use code HELIXPARTNER20. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Go to helixsleep.com slash Adam. Use code HELIXPARTNER20. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. It is Bears Packers Week 17. The whole season's on the line. Hopefully, the anxiety is not too high and you're able to enjoy this a little bit. And we're going to hopefully do the same with you guys this week on the Hogan Johns podcast. What's up? Good, man. How are you? (laughs) Packers Week. Did I throw you off there a little bit? No, no, no. I, I was trying to think of back to it was it was week 17, 2013. I couldn't get the the year right in my head. Twenty thirteen, right, where the the similar scenario played out for the Bears. Yep. The first yep. year, Mark Tressman, Aaron Rodgers comes to town. Nobody picks up the loose ball. Chris Conney gets mixed up in coverage. See, I'm trying to start this week positive vibes. Positive. You got to get it out now. You got to get and it out you're, now. And you're just bringing no, no, back no, no. nightmares. You, you, you got to get get it out now. It's Tuesday. <laughs> get it out now. The Chris Conney game. Who scored? Randall Cobb? Julius yes. Peppers had like the, the strip sack. There was a strip sack, right? James Anderson walked away from the ball. Memories. There is at least a 1% chance that Randall Cobb shows up out of nowhere on the field on Sunday and is wide open in the end zone. I don't think that could be completely ruled out. He's in the league, right? He's Houston, I think he was Texans? on the he's on the Texans. Okay, no? I was gonna say Cowboys, but maybe I'm off of he's on a Texas team. I'm just saying maybe he'll show up on hopefully not. I don't know if Chris Conti will be there. Probably not. Yeah, those are bad times. Let's think about possible good times this week. 
as hard as it's going to be. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be... Look, I have the All-22 loaded up on my computer to go through in full today from that game a month ago. Which was a Which was a disaster. To see what the Bears can do differently. What they can actually fix. Because they got a lot to fix. I would watch that defense more than that offense. Well, that's what I'm, my plan is, to be honest with you. So, not going to lie, it's going to be hard for me to be optimistic about this game for the Bears when you consider how good the Packers are playing. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to search for answers and see if there's there's a chance. Um, you know what? We're going to load up this week for you either way. We're going to have uh, we're going to start we're going to kick off Packers week with our old friend Mike Heller on this podcast today. Uh, of course, hosts the Mike Heller Show up in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, does a great job. It's always fun to talk to with these Bears-Packers games. So we'll have him on for where things stand with Green Bay and how good they might actually be and whether or not the Bears have a chance. Um, and then we'll also hear from from Kevin Fishbane a little bit later on, too, in this podcast. We'll try to come up with answers, as we always do, for how the Bears pull this off. I, You know what? One thing I was thinking about this morning is kind of reminds me of the Big Ten Championship game a couple weeks ago with Northwestern and Ohio State as I was prepping for that game, where it's like Ohio State's clearly got more talent and rightfully favored. Now, they're favored by a lot. Three touchdowns, I believe. Yeah. (laughs) I think this game's only four and a half spread at them, but go ahead. But I knew, you know, that if Northwestern played a close-to-perfect game, they had a realistic shot at winning. And that's how it played out. I mean, they... They withstood the early punch from Ohio State's offense, which I think is what the Bears... Remember how quickly the Bears got down to the Packers a few weeks ago? Like, you can't let that happen. And they're going to try to... Aaron Rodgers is going to try to kill you with Devontae Adams early. And, but if the defense can step up and withstand that first quarter, those first few possessions, and maybe play with a lead, you got a chance. And then you got to avoid... But then this is where it comes to Trubisky. You got to avoid those mistakes. You got to play close to perfect... And that's where Northwestern in that game a few weeks ago just didn't quite play perfect enough. They they turned the ball over too much in the third quarter. Third quarter, the Bears quarter, right? Got to have a good third, third quarter. They just made too many mistakes down the stretch, and they let that Ohio State team back in. And then you kind of knew going in the fourth that you were, you were in trouble. I can see this game playing out very similar to that, where it could come down to like two or three plays in it or around halftime, either before or after halftime, to really swing the game. And if the, those plays go the Bears' way, this is a game they can win. It just seems like it's going to be really tough to do. I know we'll get into this later with, with the fish man, Kevin Fishbane, but as much as there's going to be a buildup about what this means for Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky, and rightfully so, no one deserves more scrutiny than those two who are going to be on the field on Sunday. You will learn a lot about those guys and what they mean for this team this year and possibly next year. But I think it's it's the defense, which we'll learn even maybe more about, if that makes sense. Guys like Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn and his $30 million guaranteed. They were the ones who got their butts kicked a few weeks ago. Yeah. That was Trubisky's first start since his injury, since week three. It's the defense who got their butts kicked. 
Yeah, I think there's a good chance that this game comes down to that pass rush, that very highly paid pass rush. And uh, let's get into that a little bit later on, especially maybe maybe with Kevin Fishbane. Um, first, though, need to get to your voicemails. From Sunday in Jacksonville, the Bears did win big. It was uh, mostly a good game. Their people are still really upset about that one play call at the goal line. Bears had 70 plays, one bad play call. So let's talk about the bad play call. All day long. The obsession with that play is unbelievable. I have a feeling we're going to get some voicemails about it. So let's check it out. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Boys, it's Bobble Dabrowski calling in here from Sunny FLA. That stands for Florida Jacksonville. Boys, we got the one in 14 mighty Jaguars coming up, uh, standing in the way of the Chicago Bears making the playoffs. Santa, he came a little late yesterday, but he came and he gave uh, the Bears a uh, Cardinals L. Go 49ers, to quote Greg Gittle. I f-ing love the Bears. We got this playoff. This is a playoff game. We are in the playoffs right now. Jacksonville, I don't know how they made the playoffs, but that's how it works out. We got the playoffs starting now, late December, Christmas miracle. Bears back in it. Let's go, Chicago Bears. It shouldn't need to be this hard. It just shouldn't. What is wrong with us? Can we please make Pagano Pagano? He f***ing sucks. He can't figure out how to dial up pressure on any f***ing quarterback. Mike Lennon is a statue. F***ing Blitz. F***ing Mike. F***ing Glennon, you sack of shit. I swear, if we lose Roquan Smith for the rest of the season, because... But Mitch's stupid-ass decision-making in the end zone, I'm going to lose my mind. What a play by Roquan, but we should have never been in that place in the first place. God damn it. Can I get up? Oh, yeah. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man here. We're the Monsters of the Midway, and we're going to be a scary playoff team. Bear down! Touchdown, Bears. This is great TV. You know what isn't great TV? Whoever recommended a very Murray Christmas. Stick to sports instead of terrible TV takes. Merry Christmas, guys. Nobody wants to play a Bears team putting up 30 points a game in the playoffs with that defense. Absolutely no one. Bear down, baby. It's fun. It's fun watching the Bears at the minute. It just clicks with Mitch. It just clicks. You got to keep it together, boys. I know it's crazy. I know you make stupid decisions, but the offense clicks with Mitch. It's just the way it's going to be. So, uh, game's not over yet, but basically over. I'm not going to get excited about this win. They better handle sh- against the Packers because this season can kiss my ass if they don't do anything next Sunday. Bear down. And let's not forget the great job that Ryan Pace has done assembling this team and all the young talent he's acquired. I agree with Adam Johns. They should extend everybody, especially Ryan Pace. The Chicago Bears have less wins against teams above 500 than the New York Jets. 
This team is going to get smoked in the playoffs. It doesn't really matter. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope. Wait a minute. The Bears are going to the playoffs, baby. Let's go Bears. Beat Green Bay. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with a mice so fearlessly. Bear down, Chicago Bears. To let them know why you're wearing the crown. Boys, uh, I was a little nervous at first there, kiddos. I got to admit, I forgot it was a Mike Lennon game, a revenge game, but it is also the Allen Robinson revenge game. So, guess what? Allen Robinson, better player than Mike Lennon. So, Bears win. Playoffs, here we come. Got to win next week. That's it. Just a winning uh, against Green Bay, and, you know, it's a playoff game, and uh, Green Bay, I'm getting a little nervous talking about it, but... We got this. Bear down. Chicago Bears. Windy City. Let's go. Chicago. Bears. Well done. Well done. You know, for the record, I got, I think, like five people that said they enjoyed A Very Murray Christmas, and that's the only one I've, only criticism I've heard. Yeah, but the voicemail counts as like 10 votes against those possible Mm. tweets you got. He took the time to call. I don't know about the math on that one, but took the time to call means more. Okay, carries more weight. What about the time to tweet? Tweeting's a little bit easier. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think it. I think it probably is. Okay, well, got some optimism in there. Got a lot of negativity. That defines the season, I think. At least these last few weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think everybody's afraid to get hurt. They don't want to believe in the Bears, and they're just afraid to get hurt. I can understand that. Yeah, probably. All right. Uh, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start to dive into this matchup against the Green Bay Packers with our friend Mike Heller, who hosts the Mike Heller Show in Wisconsin. And uh, you should follow him on Twitter, at Heller Sports. Good follow this week. Of course, you've heard him break things down in this rivalry before. Mike, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is. Uh, I was hoping that this would be a week that mattered for Packers Bears on both sides, and it really does. And I think it creates a really intriguing matchup uh, Sunday in Chicago. Aaron Rodgers, why don't we just start there? <laughs> As always, the he's, he's my MVP this year. He's just having a phenomenal season. Does I watched that game in the snow the, the other day, and it's just – it's just dramatically impressive, like everything that he's doing right now. I guess how would you articulate like how well he's played this season? I don't know that I've ever – I don't know that he's ever played better. He, he had great seasons. He won two MVPs. He had great seasons in 2010 and 2011. 2010, they win the Super Bowl. Second half of that season was so much better than the first. In 2011, they go 15-1 and one, but bow out after a bye week in the playoffs. This year – you know, they're going to have the same – they potentially could have the same record as they did a year ago, and they're leaps and bounds better. It's not even close. And Rodgers' efficiency, his accuracy, his willingness to get rid of the ball in two and a half seconds has been fantastic. I and mean, a lot of that credit belongs to Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator is Hackett. LaFleur is the architect of the offense and the head coach. So they deserve a lot of the credit, but Aaron also – wasn't fully bought in, certainly in the waning years of Mike McCarthy, 
Last year, I think it was a process. And this year, it's taken full hold. And he's been fantastic. And the offensive line has been brilliant in allowing him protection. He's, he's seldom sacked. When he has been, they've been in a little bit of trouble. But Aaron Rodgers has been as brilliant as I've ever seen him play the position he's playing it better right now than at any point in his career. Mike, you've always been good, in my opinion, at objectively looking at what the Packers are and maybe not getting too carried away one way or the other. How good is this team? Because I still I, I, I love watching this team. I think offensively, with what Rodgers is doing, they could win it all. But there's still some legitimate, I don't know if it's concerns, but perhaps objections. You know, you look at the schedule. It's been really easy. Not really easy, but it's been relatively yeah. easy for a first place schedule. Surprisingly, it normally doesn't shake out that way. And I still don't know what to make of the defense week to week. Yeah, the defense is just okay. You know, the defense is enough to get you home if the offense is really good. What they can't afford, and they haven't been able to afford all season and probably for a pretty long time now, is for the offense to have a pedestrian day. If they do, they lose. Uh, So I I do think that the defense is average, but I'll give you a couple of items there just to pay attention to. Jair Alexander is playing the corner position as good as anybody in the league. He doesn't get talked about much, but he is fantastic. And he's shut down a side of the field that um, that really changes what they can do defensively. And I think that the emergence of that and Adrian Amos has kind of moved up closer to the line of scrimmage because they trust both corners in Savage and Alexander to handle some coverage on the back end and their nickel. So they bring Amos up and Adrian Amos, you guys know it pretty well from his time in Chicago. He's uh, really good in run support and he puts himself in good positions. He doesn't always make a play when he's there, but he's been much better in that. And then Rashawn Gary, who was a second round, uh, I believe second round draft choice uh, out of Michigan a year ago. He was really, came, he really came in with people having high expectations and he didn't live up to it a year ago, but this year he's been, although not statistically, he's been impactful every week. And then Zadarius Smith benefits from that. The defense is good enough. Adam, I think one of the things that this team has that people don't recognize is that offensive line has been really, really good. And in both facets, this is a team that is balanced. They run the ball. Uh, I think Rodgers has thrown the ball 80-plus times fewer than Patrick Mahomes. It's not a team that is predicated on throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game. They're really balanced, and that's because that offensive line has been so good both in protection and in run blocking. I think they're really. I think the Packers are really good. What they can't afford is a pedestrian day on offense because if they have it, defense probably won't win them a game. What would be examples, I guess, of those pedestrian days? Those those average days? Is it the? I'm looking at the, their page now. Is it the, the Panthers game? Heck, is it the, the Jaguars game? Is it like when they're not dropping forty on the Bears or the right. Tennessee Titans? Like, are those games that the Bears should possibly look at for for answers? Yeah, I think the I think the question is, and the kryptonite for Green Bay's offense, and I think this offense is as diverse and as special as any in the league and any in Packers' recent memory. The kryptonite is if you can get home like Tampa did 
with your base rush package. If you don't have to bring somebody off the edge, if you don't have to bring a safety, if you can just get home with your defensive front four or front three, hard to do against this line. But if you can, like Tampa did, Aaron hasn't seen much of that this year. And when he has, he's been vulnerable. He threw two picks against Tampa. He's thrown five for the year. He threw two picks against Tampa. One was a pick six. And that's the only game that they looked totally lost offensively. And and the weird thing is they didn't look lost until the second quarter. In the first two drives of the game, they were doing everything they wanted to do. They were hitting short passes. They were able to run the football. But when Aaron threw a pick six, then he threw another near pick six on their next possession. And then Tampa got home the rest of the day. And that's, that's the question. Can the offensive line, and it has, can they continue to hold up and can a defense beat that offensive line with their base rush? So the teams that I would worry about from a Packers perspective can be the Bears on the way they can get home, but it was the Rams until the Rams imploded offensively, or it's Tampa. Those teams that can get to a quarterback, I think, are the Packers' biggest fear. So in summary, the Packers have the best quarterback in the league. They have, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league. They have one of the best running backs in the league, and they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And this comes down to Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn getting home without blitzing Aaron Rodgers too much because you know what happens when you blitz Aaron Rodgers. Whew, that does not sound great for the Bears. Yeah, that's that's really the deal, isn't it? Um, and, and, you know, the, the reemergence of, of Trubisky changes what, you know, what the offense looks like because when Green Bay saw Chicago – what, three weeks ago, the offense was terrible, you know, and, and it was, you guys had a, in Chicago, you had a stretch of what, six or seven weeks in which the offense was below pedestrian. I mean, it was just the worst in the league, Mike. It was yeah, the worst pretty much the worst in the league. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's been a, obviously a resurgence. I'm looking at it from the outside in, but it still comes down to, you have to force Aaron Rodgers to turn it over, or you have to get Aaron Jones to put it on the ground. And Aaron doesn't, Aaron Rodgers doesn't turn it over. He threw the worst interception I've seen from him in three or four years. And something you guys see and other NFL markets see from week to week. Aaron doesn't make mistakes late over the middle. He did last week, um, which is a rarity. He's isn't it crazy. He's thrown five picks this year and 40. He's going to get, he's going to end up with 45 or 46 or maybe 47 touchdown passes when it's all said and done. Um, that's the way to beat them is to make Green Bay turn it over and they just don't do it. If you're going to beat them, you're going to have to get the takeaways. Can I go back to Devontae Adams for, for a little bit here? <laughs> I'm old enough to remember, as everybody uses that, like when there was questions about this guy coming out. Like he, he, he had a couple bad drops, I remember, early on in his career and there was yeah. questions about him. And he only had 1,000 yard, yard receiving season before this year, I, I believe. Like what's... What's unlocked him this year? Like, why is he playing this? I'll use the word phenomenal again. Like, watching him against the Titans, like he was unstoppable. What's clicking for him? His physical skill set is tremendous, but there are a lot of receivers in the NFL that have a physical skill set that could match up to what Devontae Adams does. But he has an intangible in his work ethic and his desire is he doesn't play the chip on his shoulder as often as some players do, but he has one. And I think it's a 
he is relentless in his drive. And then he studies like his ability to get off the line of scrimmage when corners try to come up and jam him at the line of scrimmage, they hardly ever touch him. His he's got incredibly quick and elusive moves at the line of scrimmage and getting off the ball. And then I think his hands are as good as any receiver in the game. He catches nearly every contested ball. He catches impossible throws. And he doesn't, you know, like you talk about those, those routine drops he had in his first and second year. Second year in particular in Green Bay was when people started to sour. Yeah. And but he never he never dropped his belief level. And then if you have the trust of that quarterback, that's a confidence builder too. I think he's the best receiver that Green Bay has had since Sterling Sharp. And those who remember all the way back to that, Sharp had a short career because of, a, of an injury that cut short uh, the backside of his career, but he was brilliant with Favre throwing him the football. He was unstoppable. I think Devontae Adams is that guy. And I agree with you. I think he is perhaps the best receiver in the NFL today. And there's a lot of good Packers receivers that have come through there. Jordy Nelson, yeah. Greg Jennings, Donald Driver. I mean, Donald this Driver. Is... They, they, yeah. And I think Adams is better than all of them. Yeah. 17 touchdowns this year. That's something, Adam. That's something. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's in Chicago. It's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. He's on You know what else he does is, is he makes Marquez Valdez Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown and Alan Lazard and Bobby Tunyon. He makes all of them so much better because defenses have to focus. I think defensive coordinators have an incredibly difficult, if not impossible, job in playing Green Bay. If Belichick was always has always been famous for taking away what you do best, what does Green Bay do best? Because if you take away Devontae Adams, if you try to, uh, the tight end can beat you. They have uh, possession receivers. And the combination, the three running backs that now have with with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, who emerged on Sunday night, they're a nightmare to try and figure out what are you going to take away. Hey, Mike, I want to go off this game for a second. And I remember a few years ago when Mark Murphy changed the the power structure yeah. up there in Green Bay. Um, I, I was a little critical of it because, you know, I just f- felt like once you start having different people reporting to different people, it creates fights. And the one thing I was right about with that is that immediately in my mind meant Mike McCarthy was going to be gone, uh, which is what ended up happening. But obviously they hired the right people uh, between Brian Gutekunst and, and Matt LaFleur and it's working. So, you know, as we look, as I spin this towards the bears, I think Matt Nagy's probably saved his job at this point, getting the Bears back to this point where they're at. And Ryan Pace is, barring a disaster on Sunday against the Packers, probably going to be back. But I still wonder if there's something the Bears can learn from above that in the power structure. So the question, I guess, is what's been working in Green Bay since they made those changes? Is there anything that the Bears can learn from that? Yeah, it, it's so hard to to quantify and to put your finger on because Brian Gutekunst has fallen under great criticism for trading up and, and drafting Jordan Love in the first round this last year. Also took a lot of fire for drafting A.J. Dillon this year and for not getting a wide receiver. They were in desperate need of a wide receiver and didn't take one. Um, and I oftentimes equate that to their belief in their receivers um, was greater than anybody else's. And, and I, I'll equate it to the Milwaukee Brewers, who David Stearns, their GM, 
has had great belief in their pitching staff, even though every outsider, every national expert has panned Brewers pitching, you know, for a long, long time. But yet they've been good enough and the Packers receivers have been good enough. When I say it's hard to quantify to answer your question, Mark Murphy's a, a bit of a question mark. I think he's more involved. I think he made the decision on Matt LaFleur as opposed to Brian Gutekunst. And it was really a career-defining decision. If LaFleur is a bust in Green Bay, I think that uh, that Mark Murphy's time in Green Bay might have been limited. But what's, what's happened is those guys on the offensive line, a guy like Elton Jenkins has turned into – if you look at PFF, one of the best left guards in the NFL, he's a he's a pro bowler. David Bakhtiari was a deeper round draft choice, far precedes Gutekunst and, and Murphy's current role in the system. But they have done such a good job in second level guys, and they don't overspend in free agency. The big free agency market two years ago for them was to get Zedarius and Preston Smith. And we all had to kind of look up what's their hierarchy what have they done and in green bay they've been fantastic i think that the power structure for whatever reason has worked the question adam will be what happens on the backside what happens at the end of aaron Rodgers? because now that comes into question most people thought this was a two to three year window max well now aaron's going to win the mvp they've got a chance to go to or maybe win a super bowl what do you do at that point you know, Jordan Love hasn't been active for a single game this year, and nobody will tell you if he has looked good in his work or if he is progressing. But the decision on the back end of Aaron Rodgers leaves, like every NFL franchise, leaves this one very vulnerable. And that'll be the test for Murphy and Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur is how they handle what happens two years from now. And will they have another trophy in the case before then? Yeah, I was going to say, it always helps to have that transcendent Future Hall of Fame quarterback there when you when you take over, doesn't it? Yeah, we've had one for a while. <laughs> yeah, it helps. It helps. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask. Let's end with this then, because we've we've had some conversations about Mitch Trubisky over the years, and I'm always curious what it's like on the outside. We know how polarizing he is here in Chicago. What's your view on Mitch Trubisky right now? Yeah, so we, we've had this conversation before. I I was really high on. I thought he was the second best quarterback in the division last year, or going into last year. Yeah. And I would have bet that he could be again this year. I thought that going to get Foles may have actually would have helped him. Now the dilemma is, what do you trust? Do you trust the, the three game or whatever the total number is resurgence at the end of this year? And that that's the stepping stone to go forward. Or do you believe what you saw most of the year when he was playing, that he looked lost. You know, and that's the big dilemma, I think, overall for the Bears is not just Trubisky, but do you trust what you've seen in the last three to four weeks? Or is the team more like what they were for the seven weeks leading up to it? And that's difficult because you have to make big decisions on it. Um, I think I have always thought that Trubisky had the talent. I don't know if it's enough up here and the smarts to identify what defenses are doing and the patience and the want to, to do those elements of the game. It's a dilemma, isn't it? I mean, you guys live it. I have no idea, but I've always, I've had a higher opinion of Trubisky than many outside have. 
I thought he was better than Cousins. I thought he certainly had a better upside than Cousins. He's just got a lower ceiling. Kirk Cousins does in Minnesota. But Trubisky could also be the guy who just never finds it consistently. And if you don't find it 10 out of 16 weeks or 12 out of 16 weeks, you're going to lose. Your quarterback's going to carry and you're going to lose if you can't find it more consistently than Trubisky has. So I don't envy that decision that's going to be made in Chicago when the season is done, especially if you think of maybe what happens Sunday. If Trubisky is ordinary or less than ordinary on Sunday, how do you carry that into this offseason and make those decisions? I don't know. Yeah. Or is he really good or is he just awful? I I, I mean, because it, right. it, it, it's the type of thing that can stick with you if the season ends on Sunday. And further complicating matters is the fact that it sure looks like a mistake when they benched him now early in the season. And now there's this gap where they just don't right. have an evaluation in the middle of the season because Nick Foles was playing, and it just kind of makes it tougher to trust what you're seeing now. And he didn't help you either. I mean, when yeah. Foles came in, he, he looked lost. And so you thought maybe that there was going to be – you were trying to recapture that spark that he provided when Wentz went down in Philadelphia a few years ago, and he it's gone. He doesn't have it anymore. And, yeah, you lost an evaluation period with Mitch Trubisky – and now you have to make a decision based on less information that you really needed. Tough to do. Yeah. Mike, we always enjoy talking to you. Hopefully, uh, you got a pick for us, or is it too early in the week? You're going to go with I think I, I think Green Bay is going to win. I, I just think they're better. I, I think that the offense is so good that the Bears' strength of being a, a team that can shut you down, slow you down defensively, isn't enough. And I think Green Bay, um, I, I think Green Bay wins. It would have been very interesting to see what they how they would have treated the game if they had the number one seed sewn up, but they don't. So I, I just think in this case, I'm going to default that Green Bay is simply better, and, and I think that they'll handle their business Sunday. All right, Mike. It'll be a fun week. Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you. You too. Thanks, Mike. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit DirecTV.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Let's bring in Kevin Fishbane to close this thing out at kfishbane on Twitter, on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where you should be subscribed to read all of Kevin's amazing pieces and how he fixes the Bears' timeout problem and the third quarter problems. I mean, really, Kevin Fishbane deserves a lot of credit for the Bears' turnaround. Nobody talks about this, and they they really should. That's a great point, Hogue, and uh, happy to be here. And look, I'm I'm just here to point out the problems, and it's up to them to fix them and execute them. So I'm happy to have bring it to light for them. So what problems do you see for this matchup, Kevin? <laughs> Where would you start? Well, I could do I could do some statistical analysis of uh, the Green Bay's quarterback. I don't know if you guys know that he's had a lot of success in his career period. Uh, seems to do well against the Chicago Bears. Although I was looking back at the 2013 game. I forgot he threw two picks on the like the first two drives, including one in the end zone to a Chris Conti. Yeah. Chris Conti played well that day. He actually did. Yeah. Until the end, to the last yeah. play. One of the last uh, plays. <laughs> so here's what we just determined with Mike Heller, basically. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because, uh, you know, some people want to blitz Aaron Rodgers. I usually don't recommend that. Uh, blitzing Aaron Rodgers typically leads to really bad things. Mike brought up about how the teams this year that have been able to get home with four on Aaron Rodgers have created problems for him, like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier this season when the Bucs killed the Packers. So, in other words, this matchup seems to come down to Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn getting to Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, there's been flashes of maybe that working as of late. thought they pretty much did disappeared for the most part against the Jaguars again. Um, man, that doesn't leave you too optimistic about what might happen Sunday. Do, when you say that, Hogue, do, but like if you said that to me before the season started, that this mm-hmm. was a situation, you're sitting here thinking, this is what the Bears are built for. Yes. Yeah. They are built for this. Mac, Quinn, Hicks, they have the, the resources, the, the dudes up front to do exactly what you described. And then if you told me, oh, by the way, Jalen Johnson's playing really well, you know, you're like, okay, you got the cover guys to to help him out. Yeah, that's that's what the, that's what this group is built to do. By the way, what's Robert Quinn doing covering Tyler Eifert on a third and short? No, oh, you didn't like that play call. 
I, 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 I'm offering no opinion. I'm just asking. I'm just asking the question. Um, you know, Ted Montecchino tells us all the time, like they, they, they need they, they know what Robert Quinn does well. He rushes the passer well. So why is he in coverage on Tyler Eifert on third down? Well, you know, if Mike Glennon can recognize that Robert Quinn's covering his tight end, um, what do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to do with that? Big Bob, Big Bob Tunyon is going to be scoring 80 yard touchdowns on Sunday. McHenry's finest. Yeah, uh, but no, you're right. It, like this is this is the Quinn and Mac game. This is the ultimate. I know there's gonna be a lot of talk about if this being a referendum on Trubisky and whatnot, but this is the game that this is why you have those guys. You have those guys to beat Aaron Rodgers. Well, the game that Mike Heller pointed to was the Buccaneers win over the Packers, and they got home with their front four. And you're right, Kev. This is what they're paid to do. He, he, I, you know, Blau Nichols is part of that front four, too. He might be like their best pass rusher of that front four right now. At least he's the one that's more noticeable. And, you know, I will say, using the word noticeable, Robert Quinn has been better. But getting home, finishing plays, it's been a problem for him. Like, he's been around the guys. He's got to get to the guys. And, and, you know, there's no better guy to get to than, than Aaron Rodgers this year. He needs to play like he did against Minnesota, though. Like he had a good game against the Vikings, and he's got to be better than that in this game. Well, but I know what I, you're saying. Yeah, let, let's also keep things realistic, man. We got a 15 game sample size, a 14 game sample size for him because he missed the opener. And it's not happening. You know, he's not he's not going to have a three sack game. All right, and if that happens somehow, then I'll gladly eat those words, and the Bears will probably win. But you know, he just needs to be active. He was active. He made a difference. He set the edge. He did good things against the the Vikings. And I think he got home once, right? He that was a strip sack, right? I think that happened. Yep. Um. So, yeah, I guess it's possible. But okay, so this this leads us to the next conversation. You know what? What does what kind of impact does this game have on the future? Because. If we're talking about a scenario where the Bears lose, they miss the playoffs, and it's fairly obvious a big reason why they lost is because that highly paid pass rush couldn't create any pressure. It's not a great look for Ryan Pace. Not a great look for Chuck Pagano either. Um, I, I honestly think if you were to set odds right now for the person most likely to get fired... I would actually put Chuck Pagano I think, yeah. at the top of the list. To be honest with you, yeah, it, it's you know it's it's tough too because if this was you know when they were five and one, you weren't saying that. And, but even when they were five and one, they were great in the red zone, great on third down, but they weren't taking the ball away and they weren't getting the quarterback. Those two things have continued all season long. They were just really good in the critical situations and pretty good against the run in that stretch. But you're right, Hoke. I mean that's. Like that's the circumstances they're at now. The offense is working. The offense is fine. You know, when have we said that? And you know, it's been seven years since we've been able to say that. Um, and, and so you're right. I mean, this is a huge game for those guys. But man, if 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 they assuming they don't get home and they don't they can't defend Aaron Rodgers well enough, and you're looking at all that resource, all those resources you put into that front line. Uh, but the, like, what do you do? Like, what do you you know. You can, I guess, you could put accountability on the guy who selected those players, 
but you know you can't get rid of those players. Those guys are coming back next year. Uh, so, but I was talking to I was talking to let's just say a, a, restrict, a respected football mind that I trust yesterday, um, who was very critical of Chuck Pagano's inability to scheme his pass rushers open, and that's part of being a defensive coordinator. You know, it's 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 almost like scheming wide receivers open on that pass rush. Like you have to do things to get those guys free. Because a lot of times you're rushing four against five, right? And, and I don't see enough enough of that. You know, like I, I think a lot of the soft coverage that we've talked about is valid. And I also think there's been an obvious dip in the ways in which Vic Fangio got his guys to the quarterback compared to what Chuck Pagano does. And I think it's a fair criticism. He's losing the chess matches. Let's just be honest. He's losing the chess matches that occur between coordinators. He's just not as good as Vic Fangio was. And now it's probably on, there is some level of unfairness to, to what happened in 2018, but it's, it's the majority of the same guys. Some of them might be older. There are injuries to consider here, but when you invest this much in your defense, there's a level of accountability that needs to be had because a standard's been set, and you're not maintaining that standard. And in terms of scheme, like the offense has fixed it. Like Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, John Filippo, Dave Ragone, they've found answers. They've improved down the stretch. The opposite is, is happening on defense. Like opposing offenses have found answers for Chuck Pagano's defense. And when I looked at the stats between – comparing weeks 1 through 11 to weeks 12 through 16, the most alarming things to me are the success rates for opposing offenses on third downs and then in the red zone. They're scoring more touchdowns, and they're staying on the field longer. The Bears used to be the best in the league in those two categories. They've fallen. They've fallen significantly in those two areas over the past five weeks. And that's another key, by the way, for me on Sunday, is got to keep the defense off the field. You know, some of that's going to fall on the offense too, sustaining drives. But the the less you ha- have Aaron Rodgers on that football field, the greater your chances are winning. That's a pretty obvious statement. And I think the the Minnesota game is, is kind of key here in the idea that when you got to the second half, the the offense had to be in. We have to score every time we have the ball mode. Like they saw what was happening. They saw what Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook were doing. And credit the offense. They put together scoring drive after scoring drive after scoring drive. Um, it should have been another one if not for the interception in the end zone. Uh, you know, obviously the this Packers defense is playing well right now, uh, but it's not. They're not world beaters. Uh, that group. You know, I, I think obviously Zadarius Smith's a star. They've got some dudes in the secondary, but you can you should be able to run against them. Uh, and this is obviously uh, you know a little bit of a different offense, uh, but I think that Minnesota game at least gives them the confidence that like, hey, if our defense isn't getting the job done, I hope you're you're prepared to score every time you touch the ball. Isn't it crazy? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say like that like, blows your mind a little bit because that's how yeah. the season has has changed. You're, you're the Bears are now an offensively driven team. How about that for for a turnaround this year? Yeah. By the way, uh, here's a fun fact for you. Kyle Fuller has now gone uh, five games without a pass defensed. Longest drought for him since his rookie season. Yeah. Now, he's not, the, the ball hasn't been thrown his way very much in the past few weeks, but uh, just, just, just noting that. 
Well, especially with Jalen Johnson out. I mean, they've been pretty much avoiding Kyle. Seems like this is one of those games, though, where you wish he had the ability to shadow and play tighter man coverage against uh, a guy like Devontae Adams. But this is not the scenario. We'll see if Jalen Johnson comes back. I have a feeling he will this week. But uh, we'll probably have a better idea of that on Thursday. Real quick, you get 15 seconds on the Citrus Bowl. Um, I'm glad that when I think of Auburn, I think about those two really good defensive tackles from last year, but I just remember they're in the NFL. So that makes me feel good. Uh, I think Cam Porter's going to have a big game. And look, Northwestern comes out for bowl games. They, they, they treat them like Super Bowls. I can't see Auburn doing the same thing. Um, big week for Northwestern Athletics. Feeling good. Go Cats. All right. It'd be four straight bowl victories for Northwestern. That'd be pretty impressive. Uh, that's Friday. And it'll be on WGN Radio, so you can check that out. All right. We got to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, Kevin, K- at K. Fishbane on Twitter. Those guys coverage all week long on theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns where you go sign up if you're not already. Hopefully you are. You can get it all on that nice fancy app of The Athletic where you can also listen to this podcast. And all my coverage is up, will be up, continue to be up this week on NBCSportsChicago.com and there is a new 10 Bears Things column up that you can check out right now. All right. Good start to Packer Week. We'll come back Thursday. Break, break this thing down. Playoff. See ya. Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>